0: Please remember that all the opinions you hear on our show, whether from our hosts or guests, are their own. They don't represent anyone else's views or endorsements. So listen in for fun and learning, Or remember, it's all up to you how you use it. Thanks for tuning in and joining us on this adventure. Enjoy the show. Good morning. Welcome to another episode of the Yes Day Inclusion Podcast. I am Kirby Morgan. And I'm Laura Wingler. And today we have a special guest with us, Miss Amy Fields. So let me have
1: her introduce herself. Hi, I'm Amy Fields. <laughs> welcome, welcome. <laughs> Can you tell us where you're
2: from and just a very brief backstory? Um, I am from all over the place, but right now my home is in Minnesota. I got married many many years ago i myself was adopted and my husband when we were dating i told him i wanted to adopt children and he was all on board with it and as time went on we decided we were going to adopt children with special needs when we saw the statistics um, of the foster care situation we adopted our son marvin at 18 months old He was born methamphetamine addicted and had shaken baby syndrome, and he has a whole host of medical and health issues. And then a few years later, we talked about adopting again, and Marvin announced that he was going to get a baby scissor. I told him that foster care was impossible, and it was boys, and they were all his age. And so we went through all the paperwork and went and met the social worker and the social worker talked to us about what we would take and what we wouldn't take. And she looked at Marvin and said, what do you want? And he looked right at her with his blonde hair, blue eyes and says, I want a baby scissor. And she melted like butter in the sun. And I said, Marvin. There are no baby scissors out there. We had this conversation multiple times. (laughs) The social worker said, oh, Mrs. Fields, I will find you a baby scissor. And I said, no, you won't. (laughs) But I was wrong. And almost a year later to the day, they called me and they said, we have a little girl. And I said, you're kidding. (laughs) And And she said, no, but she said she's a very different little girl. They said she was born at 24 weeks, and she was probably born heroin addicted. Um, mom had a lot of issues, and dad—we don't even know who he is. So they said, you know, and this little girl, she's really, really sick. She was, um, she was, she has cerebral palsy. She has hydrocephalus. She has a whole bunch of other health issues. And they said we we don't know if she's going to be. Uh, She's considered non adoptable. And when we lived in Virginia at the time, if you were not adopted, there was a place that they sent these children to. It was part of Children's Hospital. And so I said, okay, well, let's go take a look at her. And so we went and had a look, and my husband picked her up, and she looked at him and smiled, and it was all over. I said, well, forget it. You know, we're just, we're going to have to adopt her at this point. She looked at me and threw up all over me. <laughs> Aww. And thus our magical relationship began. <laughs> and she, we, we brought her home um, at nine months old. And she spent a lot of time in the hospital. And she definitely, as time went on, we found out she had a lot more disabilities. And she had something called mitochondrial disease. And later on in life, um, she just didn't make enough mitochondria to keep up with everything. So her health had really started failing and she passed away this last December.
0: Well, cool. Just knowing her and knowing you, her in her short life, she has taught me more than I probably ever would have known about kids with medical fragilities. And or the experiences that you guys have just to hear that they said she wasn't adoptable mm. breaks my heart. Because if she didn't have like you guys gave her such a beautiful life and she was able to and Marvin was able to have his baby scissor. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, you guys gave her such a beautiful life. And, and I saw it every twist and turn. Um, you guys made sure that she was acknowledged for more than her disability. So when they would bring uh Amy um some ugly medical cart, she would be changing it and tape up so that it had unicorns and it was pink and it was pretty because yeah. her girl deserved it and her girl didn't want this ugly thing next to her and she made it uh such a point that mm-hmm. there you guys they can do so much better and there were so many th- Things that could have done better. And it was unfortunate that Amy herself had to do a lot of that work. But until I uh, came across uh, her page and her story, I knew like this much because of Jaden and epilepsy, you know, his refractory epilepsy, which is not comparable, not at all. <laughs> you spent way more time in children's hospital than I did. But just from the fraction, Of that time, I could see a lot of holes in the
2: system. Yeah, there were a lot of holes, but there was one thing my daughter was that nobody else counted on, vivacious. She had a personality like no one else. She was a tour de force. Uh, One of the times we stayed in the hospital, the doctors came in and my daughter hated being touched. She just she genuinely, unless it was family, unless we told her because she couldn't really see well that we were going to put hands on her. She did not want people touching her. Everybody on the ground floor knew that Um, the doctor came in and he was poking at her and i said please don't touch her and he had all like those little medical students the 12 year old doogie housers with him and you know so he would put he was poking at her and saying oh you know well she's basically said she had the intelligence of a carrot and you know and she didn't know any better." and she started to growl in her throat like there was this deep growl like she knew what was going on and she knew they were talking about her and he was poking at her and the nurse was even in the room and she said, I wouldn't do that. You know, and she's telling the doctor, I wouldn't touch her. She, know, she said, she's getting mad. And the doctor's like, oh, she doesn't know any better. And he put his hand near his face and he's waving around, demonstrating like how, you know, she couldn't see, you know, he didn't, she didn't know what she's doing. She just looked and glared at him and she leaned forward and she lunged at him and sunk her teeth right into his hand. And he screeched and lifted his hand up. And there was my daughter attached to him, (laughs) not letting go. And it was just, and I, you know, I just, you know, of course the nurse is just like, look, everybody's like stunned. And I said, you know, calmly, I told you not to touch her. She told you she didn't like that. You know, so people just made assumptions that, you know, because she was so disabled, she had no, she was, she had no mental intelligence this
1: it it baffles me when people don't follow directions, especially when it comes to kids with disabilities, right? They won't follow directions. They won't follow the plan. There's probably a plan on how she needed to be handled. And then I'm sure that doctor, I could imagine, like just the scene that you're describing, victimized himself in that situation where all oh, this, you know, this can you believe what she just did? I don't that's always what I get, and I'm always like, "Well, you were told not to do X, Y, and Z. It's in writing. It's here. And then, and then you're getting hit, bit, you know, mm-hmm. kicked, scratched, whatever."
2: And he was just stunned. He didn't know what to do. And oh. I looked at the students and I said, "This is why we don't touch children without saying." I said, "They have a right to bodily consent." <laughs> said, right, and
0: why do we not assume confidence? Mm-hmm. I have found out through, you know, having Jaden home and working myself with him, Mm -hmm. that those present levels that they have decided that he was unable to do are crap. And you wanna know why? Because I've had to go through curriculum. I've gone because I went through the with their present levels. So I bought Mm -hmm. curriculum based on what they said. So I've done done pre-K, I've done Mm preschool or no preschool. I've done pre-K. I've done kindergarten I've done first Grade and now I just purchased second grade. So, confidence why are we not assuming confidence, especially in children that are nonverbal?
1: I'm because just concerned why do you assume that someone, like, it, okay, they're not going to know any better or they have the intelligence of a carrot? Why does that make it okay for you to treat them differently? Because they don't know better. Like, you're literally devaluing someone else's life.
2: Because it's easier for them not to put in the extra work. When she started school up here, I'd heard about how Minnesota, Virginia did pretty well. You know, they worked with her. They actually did school, you know, because I had enough fuss and feathers and advocacy and advocates and I paid, you know, money for good advocates, advocates. And, you know, so they actually gave her grade level curriculum. And she was fine with it. They made modifications because they knew I would drag their tail feathers back again. We came to Minnesota and they said, oh, she'll be in a special education classroom. I thought that's fine. They're like, and the teacher's like, well, I just make my own curriculum. And the curriculum was meant for every student in elementary school from kindergarten on. And my daughter was so bored with it. Like everything was boring to her. And then COVID hit. And so I started saying, okay, and then they're like, well, we can't do as much because we're teaching virtually now. And, you know, your daughter should only get like maybe 15 minutes a day of education. I'm like, what? this? How is this even real? And then when COVID stopped, she got a new teacher and the teacher said, well, I don't really teach. i mostly just entertain.
0: Interesting. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. Hey, I, know, I don't, I don't. It's just mind blowing. It is. And so, you know, I mean, I was a teacher. And if I would have told I taught at a private school and if I would have told my boss, I don't think I can teach, you know, so and so. I mean, and we had children with autism in our class. If I would have gone to her and said, you know, I really love this student, but I don't feel like I can teach them. She would have said, sweetheart, don't let the door hit your butt on the way out. I mean, she's just that kind of boss. You didn't mess with her.
1: Well, you genius. don't, that's, I don't get it. You don't get to pick who your students are. Exactly. That's, I, I teach in yeah, higher ed, yeah. right? This and a little I bit do not get so to pick up. them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I don't get to pick who they are. They have legal rights. Like I get, I get students mm-hmm. with disabilities all the time. And right, you know, there is no special ed in college. And it's just, I just find it so baffling that people literally think that they can cherry pick who their kids are. Like I, I get people of all ages that I have to teach and I deal with it and I work with it. And I'm happy to, you know, make, you have to make, someone who's not at that level than someone who's way above have the same feeling of belonging and the same feeling of competency in the course and they both have the right to succeed and have access so it's just it just blows my mind when people are like i'm not prepared to teach this person then go get prepared because that's that's the real world like you don't get to you don't just get to go put people in a secret room because you don't want to deal with them
2: And they tried to make hard sorry it's my soapbox. (laughs) Yeah. No, and there's like, she's like, we have a kitchen in here because we do cooking projects. I mean, but what it basically meant was we're segregating all these children. These children are segregated. This they don't have to be in the that they they, I use that word all the
1: time too. Mm. People don't like hearing the word segregate. I use that word all the time. I'm like, Mm, okay, true. They are
0: segregated and it has been like that. Because when I was in school, and I say this often, I would see the special needs children. I would see them like passing or like if they were going somewhere. But I would not see them in my uh, specials. I would not see them at recess. I would not see them in the cafeteria while I was eating lunch. I would not see them in traditional, like at field day or at assemblies. They were segregated. and honestly we have not grown no. that much from that point to today because in a lot of places they are still segregated to the point where Jaden, who i'm sure got student of the month because his mom is a loudmouth and they were just trying to get me to be happy and be quiet i think <laughs> um and oh, so they God. sent home this thing about how he's gonna have lunch with the principal blah 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 but there's a big assembly, so mm-hmm. I asked Jackson, who's in third, who was in second grade at the time, mm-hmm. and he said to me, "Oh no, mommy, there were no autism kids. There were no no his no, none of his classes at the assembly. There was no uh, uh and he calls it the, the autism class because that he knows his brother has autism, and for him to understand every disability in the world, I would have to, like Jackson yeah. is one of those questionate kids where he, he would want to know." Well, what what does that mean? And what, what does that uh, disability cause? What trouble do they have? Like, he's very empathetic, or he would yeah. ask me a thousand questions. So yeah. he called it the autism classroom. He knew that was where Jaden was. They were not at the assembly. So he got student of the month, but he wasn't able to go to the assembly. Mm-hmm. I doubt he had lunch with the principal, but that's, okay. he had lunch with the principal. Probably just them in his classroom. She came and sat or whatever, whatever. but it mm-hmm. was not the same. It was not even comparable and his brother didn't even know.
2: Yeah. And, you know, Carrie for them was the only girl in the class. So for them, it was just like a living dolly to play with. Oh, look, we're doing her hair. We're doing this. And, you know, Carrie Lynn loved that stuff. So she wasn't going to say no to like, oh, yeah, you know, get my hair done or anything. But I'm like, I'm not sending you to school. And that's where we ended up, you know, and then, too, they were like, well, we can't keep our classroom safe for her. Which to me, safety just means you're washing your hands a little extra. You're watching who goes in and out. And if students are sick, you're letting me know so I can make choices for her because she doesn't have an immune system to fight off things. Well, we can't do that. And I'm like, really? So it was too much work. So it's, it was less work for her to be at home and for them to bring stuff to her. But even that was too much work because the teacher came over. And she'd say Carrie Lynn was getting tired and Carrie Lynn was not. She'd be like three minutes and she's like, well, I have to go to the gym. I'm like, you're being paid to come out here and take my care and, and, and provide my daughter with an education. And you're trying to skimp out early so you can go to the gym. <laughs> really?
1: Wow.
2: <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't
1: understand the, I mean, I get, when you're medically fragile and everything, like temporarily the home instruction, but I don't know. I do think she had a right to be in in school. She did. But like, they, you don't have to know what uh, what sickness is there. You could even just say, oh, a child in the class has the flu. FYI.
2: Exactly. But they were not willing to make even. And that's all I needed. I don't need names. I'm not asking for the child's yeah. life history. Say, you know, it was simple in Virginia. They would pick up the phone. Mrs. Fields we just want you to know that there was, and the teacher would always give me a name, because there were only like four kids in the class, and it would be like, we just want you to know little Tommy was coughing today, and he had kind of a green nose, so we don't know if you want to leave Carrie Lynn home for the next couple days, because little Tommy's mom sure as heck isn't going to do it, (laughs) so, you know, I mean, she knew, the teacher knew, and would very much keep me abreast of what was going on, and she'd even let me know the parents, who were willing to keep their kids homesick, and the ones who weren't. So she would know and we would work around it. Okay.
0: I just want to put this out here because I feel like it's important that parents know this. And I have a specific case that I've worked on now for like four years. And when the mom came to me, she not does different than Carrie Lynn, but very similar immune compromised, um, not able to regulate temperature. Mm-hmm. Um, home hospital instruction. Yeah. So she, she was on the home hospital program, and you, she was getting one hour, one hour of instruction per day. That was their protocol. So I said, "Well, what about all the other services she needs?" The mom looks at me like I got twenty nine heads. She goes, "What mm-hmm. other? What do you mean other service?" I was like, "Speech, OT, PT. She needs PT. She needs like all these." The other things that she would be getting in school i understand she's getting like academic instruction but where are the uh other components to her educational plan she had never gotten any services until age 12 years old now she gets speech ot everything now she gets but no one told this mother they just told her about the one hour of home instruction And it was like they were that one hour she should have been grateful for. They were like, you have someone coming to your house and teaching her and be, you know, and I had to be the bad guy and say, no, for all these years, they've been screwing you and your kid. And the reality is she deserved to get all these Mm -hmm. extra services at your house. Why? Because she's on home hospital instruction. So, like, it baffles me that, number one, the teachers, they pay a good amount of money. You get paid extra for travel and all that other stuff. And number Mm -hmm. two, there's so many parents in this situation, and they don't know that. They do not know that.
2: There's a lot of services. I mean, and the PT tried to weasel out, too, and she's like, well, all I do is make sure that everybody's braces are on right, and they, you know, and they can sit well, their equipment's good, because I don't really do PT. You know, she said, that's, that's, you know, I'm, I'm connecting. And they are, they're connecting the child to the curriculum. That is technically their job. But to tell me, well, I just don't do physical therapy, you know, individualized physics because I don't have time for that. Well, cry me a river and hire a second physical therapist. You know, it didn't matter to me. You know, there was, there were things that needed to be done. And it was just, it was just the dropping of balls constantly. Wow.
0: Yeah, and I know we were talking earlier about how every state is so different. So we were uh Laura and I were asking you about how would you say Minnesota is and you were telling us about uh homecoming.
2: Can we talk about that? Um, it's kind of a hot topic here, but yes, yeah, so let me try Uh-oh. to Grace we don't shelter. have
1: to talk about what town or what school because we try not to do that ever.
2: Okay, so let I don't me so you. Yeah. They wanted to get rid of like the king and the queen and royalty and make it inclusive. And the, a lot of the people in the community got very upset about it being inclusive because the um, one of the school... Uh, people sent out an email, and it was leaked, which is kind of ironic because it should have never been leaked. It was an internal email, so that in itself smacks of somebody doing something very illegal, if not illegal, immoral. Um, and she had said, you know, let's use our, you know, let's use our our privilege that we have been given for this. And a lot of people just clap back and were very ugly and mean about it, and supposedly. She was talked to and disciplined, and our school board is looking into it. You know, we've had elections here, and those in themselves have been very contentious. So it's just been a very tight, intense time. It seems like the students are trying to move forward, and the adults are stuck in the 1950s. (laughs)
1: So why? So students decided this, right? They voted yeah. on this, and it was all their call. From my understanding,
2: what, that's what. What happened. are
1: they replacing king and queen with? What What is their proposal?
2: I don't know the language. They're just going to have a generalized, you know, homecoming court or something like that. So I didn't know the language. I don't have a high schooler there, but it sounded like it was very neutral language. So if there were maybe two queens or two kings, they could do it that way. Okay. Right.
0: And I think that it is the kids leading the force. Mm -hmm. We see so many kids today that don't want to be labeled by their gender. They want to be called, you know, they want to be non-binary. And Mm -hmm. I feel like the kids are moving with the times Mm -hmm. and the adults are, you know, we're all a little bit like, I like to ask a lot of questions. So I just ask the questions and I try to respect everyone for their wishes and what they personally, you know, want. It's your body. It's your life. It's, you you know, it's not going to change me if I use a different pronoun to describe you. It
2: doesn't affect me. It does not directly affect me, you know, and they just want to be treated like everyone else. I mean, that's, schools provide, relationships that these children probably never had before outside of the home they need to interact with all sorts of children whether it's a different race a different religion a different culture or a kid with a disability because kids need to socialize they need to work they need to learn and they need to play with all of their peers because that's how you know that's how You know, when you when you segregate or when you separate the special education or somebody else um, that just perpetuates discrimination, you just keep it going because you don't have you you already. These groups are already marginalized, so you're marginalizing Mm -hmm. them even more by shoving them in a room and forgetting that they exist. People get so
1: bent out of shape over things. things, but at the end of the day, it's about the kids. For them to learn social skills and things in today's world because today's world it's very different than the world that we all grew up in exactly it's very different there's so many different kinds of people and you're in a public school that's you're going to it's for all people so if you don't if you don't want your kid to to be around this kind of person well then other than not going to public school i don't know what to tell
2: you because you can't promote discrimination in a public place that's against the law My daughter had a right to see others like her. I think the first time she saw another child that remotely resembled her, which is, um, I'm going to give a shout out to her. I don't know if she'll ever hear this podcast or not. Karen Owens from We Speak Pod. She has an amazing story. She adopted her children. my, um, My daughter saw Harper for the first time doing a pod book, what my daughter did. And she just, her eyes got really big. And I don't know how much she saw with her vision, but she knew. And I was telling her, you know, I said, Harper's in a wheelchair too. And my daughter got, you know, and and my daughter started smiling. I said, Oh, look, Harper's got a chewy like you have, you know, Harper did. And she got really Harper had glad, you know, Harper just, just and Carrie Lynn fell in love with Harper. So I had to track down every harper video i could find that karen put up of this child so <laughs> she could see harper and we watched harper and i you know i used harper you know when karen used these these videos to teach and to learn about how to do pot You know, my daughter would be like shoving at her book and not wanting to participate. And I'd say, you know, well, I bet Harper, you know, likes to use her book and it would be really cool if Harper had another friend, maybe across the state who could communicate with a book too. So maybe someday if you and Harper's paths ever crossed, you and Harper could have a conversation. Yes. Harper was huge motivation for my daughter. Yes.
0: But it's true, if you, you don't have the representation yeah. of everyone, how are our kids supposed to, first of all, know that all these people with disabilities exist, and number two, how to treat them and that they are still, you know, normal kids and that they even exist. That, like yeah. my son was said, no, I didn't see him. They were not the assembly. Like. There were no children from Jaden's class at the assembly. He made it very clear, like they weren't even included, but then they sent home an award. And I wonder if every other special needs parent knew that their child got the award, but was not at the assembly or acknowledged. Mm -hmm. So we want to say, don't bully. We want to say, you Mm -hmm. know, we want to teach them about everyone, but we want to segregate. It's like, We have to make a decision. Are we moving forward or are we just being stuck?
1: What scares me is like people's reaction to moving forward. The resistance is scary because you're like, all you're trying to do is just make a happy community for everyone to exist in. And then there's just people who who are like, they want to see those people hidden away and locked away and not part of the world. And I just, it just baffles me a little bit because I don't wish that on
2: anybody. And we've forgotten as a society, we can still agree to disagree. I don't have to, you know, if my neighbors were decided, you know, okay, well, we're going to put, you know, we're going to, we're going to do, put some, you know, funky display in our lawn that, you know, represents our love for our native country, whatever. I may not love the funky display, but it's not my place to say you can't have a funky display in your lawn. We can get along as a society and not agree with everyone's personal decisions. It does not. It, it wouldn't, And you know what? In some of the children in my daughter's class went to general education classes. When I asked when she would go, the answer was she wouldn't. You know, maybe she'd go to, like, music class or something like that. And I wanted her in general education with with support because there's no reason she couldn't have been.
1: Well, that, that's a whole other thing that people are shining a light on right now. There's so many authors out there on Twitter and people just constantly with that. That they've made Gen Ed and Special Ed two different places. Neither yeah. one was ever supposed to be a, a place. Yeah. Like, be, I don't even know in this society today whether you work in a store. Whether you're a teacher, I don't even I can't think of a single industry in this world where you can segregate yourself from people, like of all kinds. Like you're going to have to serve people, deal with people, anything where where you're dealing with public the public, you're going to have to accommodate people or to some extent understand how to interact with them. Mm-hmm. Like that is the
2: that is the world in, in this time. And workplaces are changing to reflect that because they realize the people they hired 50 years ago don't exist anymore. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's true. New generations—they want break rooms. They want, you know, work-life balance. They want a lot of different things that people 50 years ago weren't afraid to ask for. And these guys are saying, "Well, you know, we we'll just find a job that offers this." Yeah, definitely.
0: It's true, and. Um, The employers that are not changing, they're losing their employees because this generation, they're very vocal and they're not, you know, they're saying like just like those kids voted that they wanted to have a neutral homecoming court versus a traditional king and queen. They wanted it to be neutral and fair or neutral and non-biased and not, you know, they wanted it to be different from what it was in the past. And they were vocal enough to say that. Where 20 years ago, I don't think high school students
1: would have said that. No. But at the same time, those are students making a change, asking. to. It's not adults pushing agenda on students. That's students speaking out, saying what they want. So I feel like those are two very different things. Like, yeah. I don't have an opinion on what it should be, mm-hmm. but it's just interesting to to see what they're asking for. And is it unreasonable? Like, is it unreasonable? It's the parents that are saying it's unreasonable and that's, I guess, the why they think it's unreasonable is,
2: is where the conversation starts. Exactly. And, and do you know, and the school board, they want to go back to the basics, reading, writing, arithmetic. They really want to focus on test scores. And I'm thinking, where's the focus on special education? You know, You want to bring up those test scores in our district, but I haven't heard about how you're going to include the special education students. Are you even going to count their test scores?
1: I saw a post on social media the other day that said, if you could change anything about education, what would it be? And I want to say almost every person on there was like, get rid of standardized tests, get rid of the whole test score thing. Everything should be individual portfolio. Yeah. And it's, I don't know. I always, I'm always, i always just in my own pedagogy in my own way. I don't do, I mean, I also am a humanities. Yeah. I teach like in the humanities. So it's, I don't really know how you test that. Like, it's not really something where you're going to get a test.
2: No, and um, I have my son out every year. I don't think those tests really are going to serve for what my son wants to do and be. Those tests are not going to they serve. They don't measure, tests. I feel
1: like they don't measure anything. They're mm-hmm. inequitable in that it's a known fact. Some people just don't do tests well between yeah. the the pressure, the anxiety. Um, then the way that the tests are written, the language that they use, there's all different levels of like of where people come from and their background. And then it, tests also make an assumption that every student in the room is at the same level. And you're getting students like this and then you want them to be like this. And it's just in the real world too. We can have at work, there's two other people in my same job title, right? We're not all the same. Like we are far from being anything the same. And I'm not saying we're better or worse than each other. I'm just saying we are very different. The way we work is different. The work we produce is different. The way we manage is different. And there's nothing wrong with that. And it's actually like, I think it adds depth and value. If we were all exactly the same, I don't know, but do we want a society
2: of people who are the same? No, and you know what? They can pad those test scores because my son did take it the first year he was here. He was at a different school at the time. And I asked him how he did, and he said, well, he did really bad. But then he went in and saw the teacher afterwards, and the teacher helped him take the test the right way. And I said, well, what do you mean he helped you? Well, if I picked the answer that wasn't quite right, he'd say, are you sure about that? So he prompted my son until my son got the right answers. I just don't, like, where's the value, though?
1: So, so what's the point? <laughs> so I guess if you have, like, kids that don't do well on tests, you get money for that but yeah. then you also like when it comes to people buying houses in your neighborhood people people are like oh they don't have good test scores it's all right You have to be like, like an a weird.
0: rating school and if you're an a rating school because of your standardized testing you're more appealing to those buyers
1: but it's all crap at the end of the day it, is, awesome it is all crap. crap like none of it is real like mm-hmm. these aren't real it's just not a it's just not a real thing to measure you buy Right? and, and What
0: t- if somebody's t- having t- a bad t- day and then yeah. they take that test and they have, they're like having the worst day. What if their grandma died yesterday? Like you do not know who's no. taking these tests and none of that is put into account when it's graded or scaled.
1: And t- I don't know. I, and then even like, I'm not saying all tests. Cause obviously if you want to get a certification, like there's tests, but it also, I just don't, I don't see any value in today's world, especially with the way we can access information memorizing things and recalling information it, it's like not measurable to me it's, exactly it's silly like i want to see you if if you're going to take a test to show and for when me when i say test i mean like a traditional sitting there with a pencil filling out a paper apply your knowledge to something mm-hmm. show me what you can actually do having learned what you learned and i think everyone is capable of that
2: in at all levels and all abilities and during COVID, they canceled those tests. And guess what? The world kept spinning. What's also a test only measures what you what you know
1: today. Yeah. So if you get the results in two weeks. You're measuring where I was two weeks ago. Is that useful to you? No. Like, did I not exist or grow in the last two weeks?
2: And Marvin's not headed for Ivy League, Mensa. He has frankly said when high school's done, he's kissing education goodbye. He's, he's done. He's not going on. He's not doing anything else. He's just going to get a job. And that is it. And with what he's got going on, I'm okay with that. I just want him to get through high school because his um, biological family, he will be the first family member to graduate high school. And we will have broken a cycle. And, you know, one day he talks about maybe he's got a girl at school. He's got a total big crush on and he talks about, you know, maybe someday he might want to have kids and maybe those kids will go to college and maybe we'll just keep moving forward from there. So it's just all baby steps.
0: right? And it's, I love how as a parent, you are accepting and acknowledging Mm -hmm. his wants and he, what, how he, you know, what he wants to do with his life. Because so many parents are like, "Uh uh-uh, you're going to this college, you're going to do this because they live vicariously through their kids, where you see your kids for who they are and their needs. And I think that's a remarkable, and I wish more people, and I think that's a little bit of what's wrong with, you know, our society is that, you know, it's different. So it scares, you know, from people that have grown up so traditional. It's a little scary for them, but just a a little dash of open-mindedness, you know, it gives him that, you know, confidence and self-advocacy to say, look, this is what I want to do. This is what I want for my life. And I think that's a really remarkable thing for a parent to be so accepting of their child and hear them and
2: see them. I'm proud of my kids. My kids are survivors. My son survived hell before he made it into the system. He was beaten every single day of his life. He was starved. He was left alone, unattended in a pen until and violently uh, shaken until he had grand mal seizures and was removed from his home. My son gets up every day and goes to school. My son gets up every day and works through his disabilities and his needs. And I am so proud of him. And he's starting to advocate for himself. And that was a long time in coming. And a lot of people pushing him to say, you know, it's okay to say no if it's something you don't like. I mean, he and I we, we we disagree and sometimes we just have to agree to disagree on the situations because it's he's not me and I'm not him. And we're not going to see eye to eye on everything. He's his own person, and I'm so proud of the person he's becoming. And I was so proud. Of the person my daughter was too you know she didn't let the world slow her down she didn't say oh well i'll just sit here on my ventilator and you know just let life pass me by no she was dragging she's pulling out her her, her all of her trach and equipment and swinging it around like she was boss and led like, the nurse would be losing their mind because there's my kid unattached from everything rolling it around like a rodeo <laughs> <laughs> And I'm like, yeah, that's just Carrie Lynn. <laughs> that, that's
1: so important to support your kids mm-hmm. on what they decide to do. Like it, and the agenda of college isn't for everybody. No. And as long as they're making that decision themselves and the adults aren't pushing it on them. I think, that, I think that's the only reason when I get mad is when it's being pushed on someone. Like I know our older kid was kind of getting pushed into the vocational track mm-hmm. and he didn't like they he was going to go to like mechanical school I'm like you like working on cars not really I'm like then why are you doing it cuz like he's just impressionable and and I was kind of like well he has good grades he's a really smart kid why are we taking him off the college track and we took some time with him and he's back on the college track he does really well in school he he can do that if he wants to so as long as kids are making these choices themselves and they can advocate for themselves and they can make their own plan it's tot- I, It's totally fine. Like, I don't know what either one of them is going to grow up to be. I have no idea. And I, I'm starting to learn and accept that is it my job yeah. to, to steer that? Mm-hmm. Or is it my job to just support and help them make their own decisions? Because I know I didn't like being told by my parents what they thought I should do for a living and what they think I should. Like, it's not their life. No, it is so not. It's not my
2: life. Like I can
1: control my life. Mm-hmm.
2: No, and they need to live their own life and captain their own ship. And I'm just kind of all around for the ride. I did tell him though, once he graduated, he did need to have some sort of job though, because he yeah, can't have a job. To- we don't, you know, we're not yeah. the- he's like, well, I have providing parents. And I said, yeah, you have providing parents, but you also have realistic parents and you need to have employment.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, you're, you're, you need to be self-sufficient and figure That's out your, your way, because we are not, the bank of mom and dad
2: comes to a close. <laughs> on so It expires
1: on such and such a date.
2: Exactly. And I told him he's got time to figure it out as much as the school gets twitchy when I say, well, you guys have him till he's 21. <laughs> he's got time. He's He's got plenty of time for us to sort through what his needs are, and just as he keeps evolving. Definitely.
0: Yes, so we always like to end with some positive suggestions for our community. So I wanna ask you for number one for, cause your children are so vastly different. So oh, yeah. what are one suggestion, one or two suggestions that you would have given for Carrie Lynn and for her to be included? And then some suggestions for um, your son and how Marvin
2: could be more included. Well, first of all, everyone wants to be included. I mean, that's just kind of common sense. Everyone has differences and everyone has strengths and weaknesses. Uh, It's helpful. I mean, and this goes for both kids. Um, Dispel the myths and misunderstandings. Uh, My daughter was disabled, but it didn't affect her intelligence. Um, My son looks like he is totally on track. His, his, his disabilities are often invisible and he masks a lot during the day. And that's been a big conversation. So just seeing that, you know, even though it looks like he's doing great, you know, that he's hiding a lot of times behind that mask and he's, he doesn't know how to ask for help when he needs it at all times. So just know dispelling that and talk about their challenges be open i mean you know there there was no way of hiding with my daughter dragging around all her medical equipment that there wasn't something going on with her (laughs) and that she was going to probably have some challenges you know that that there was going to be differences but you know i always found that kids were very receptive you know a lot of times parents like oh you know don't talk about it don't look at it just ignore it and it goes away but the kids would come up you know, the G-tube was a great example. She was just, she loved to raise up her shirt and show off her G-tube. She thought that was just neat. But kids didn't understand why she was doing that. And I'll say like something to them. Oh, what's what's the food you hate to eat the most? And they'd be like, they'd tell me a lot of times it was broccoli, you know. Well, she doesn't even ever have to taste broccoli. It goes right in through her tube and I can put it right there. And she never has to touch broccoli. And they're like, really? <laughs> So always being positive and talking about it, you know, never hiding what the challenges are, being open and honest, not scaring kids, giving it to them at their level, but still saying, hey, they exist because that's how kids learn and grow and how people learn and grow.
0: I love that. I love, I love that. Girl. Because it's true. I feel like our if they know about them, they, you know, just see them, see them,
1: they exist. They're important mm-hmm. and yeah, give and always, them role models. I would <laughs> like to ask my daughter, like, what questions do you have?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, we can ask someone a question, but I try to like filter those questions because I never know what that question is going to You
2: can always ask. I mean, people would. Be- try- <laughs> People would try to pray over her to heal her. That was my favorite was the instant healing. And then they get done and I see like, well, it looks like it didn't work this time. Thanks, though. (laughs) You're so much nicer than me. I might have have, like pepper spray for that. I know. And sometimes I tell people, please don't touch her. She's immune compromised. I mean, it just and giving them role models. I mean, as we talked about changing curriculum and stuff. My daughter needed to see herself. My son needs to see himself in people, adult people. You know, we point out, you know, this person had it and look what they've done. You know, look at they've gotten. They didn't let their disability slow them down. You know, and I think it's it was eye opening for both the kids to say, hey, you know, there's somebody else and they're like me. It would be great to see more representation.
0: I agree so much. So thank you so much for doing this, Amy. You are a rock star. And I thank you so much for coming on here and taking your time to talk to us today. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Yes Day Inclusion. To leave us a voice message, please
2: use the provided link because we'd love to hear from you.